So how was the night at the Y? Sleep okay? Yeah. I'm going to do better tomorrow night. Or tonight. I'll do better tonight. I'll do better tomorrow night too. <laughs> That'll be true. So, um, you know, there's uh, just so many things that roll through our mind and our head and our life. I, uh, I really appreciate Nathan and the band's focus last night calling us just into the heart of seeking God. Because really, that's what it's all about. The, uh, the two most important people at this conference for you uh, don't stand up here. They are you and the Holy Spirit. They are the connection between each one of us and God. And, and the band and the speakers hopefully will be an instrument, a tool to help that connection happen. But the only good thing that can come out of a time like this is you sensing, I had a time with God. God spoke to me. I heard things from God. Things that you can take away. Things that you feel are very personal to you. And um, as we planned out this marriage conference, it's, it's uh, got a different focus than often a marriage conference will have. We don't have any specific uh, s- sessions on communication or intimacy or conflict resolution. As important as all those things are, and as important as they've been in my own life and my own marriage. And there's really a couple reasons for that. And that's because as incredibly important as those things are, they are not the key to the fullness and happiness of your marriage or the success of your marriage. Without a doubt, in my own life, the most essential piece of my relationship with my wife and in so many other areas of my life is my foundation of relationship with God. Your ability to connect with that person sitting next to you is so much grounded in how well you know God. And I appreciate so much Nathan reminding us uh, last night, we're not Mormon, but we're all in several marriages. (laughs) All of us got married. I got married before I got married. I'm on my second marriage. September 11th, 1977. As a young college freshman, I stood on a street corner in Ames, Iowa, and looked up into the sky and said, I do, to the creator of my soul. And I entered into a relationship, and I became a wife. And because I have learned how to be a, 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 a wife, in humility and, and in yieldedness and in following and in, and in patience and all those things, 
I am able to turn as a husband and bring that into my marriage. There are so many times when when the, the weaknesses and the flaws in my own life make me look into my marriage and go, I don't want to give what needs to be given. And God looks down at me and says, John, do I deserve that? I know in your mind right now, you're not thinking very well, and you're not thinking your marriage deserves it, and you're not thinking she deserves it. But John, do I deserve it? And in the reality of that faith, God has taught me to look up and go, Jesus, you have been patient with me. I can be patient. Jesus, you have been gracious with me. I can be honest about my sin and my weaknesses. I can be open because you accept me. And as you go through all the things life is going to throw at you, you're going to need lots of things. You're going to need communication skills. You're going to need ability to resolve conflict. All those things are essential tools. But you won't use them for the sake of your marriage at the most critical moments. But if you know God and you have a relationship with God and that's real in your life, you will not turn away from Him. You will walk as he wants you to walk. And God will turn you back to your spouse. And as we all have experienced, then life flows back into it. And you go, yes, this is good. And God got me through that place that apart from him, I might have made a really, really stupid choice. But God saved me. And my faith in God saved me. How real is our faith in God? How deep does that go? And, and just like we all want to grow in our, our marriage with the person sitting beside us, God saved me 40-some years ago with the purpose of growing in that marriage that I have with him. And the purpose of this weekend is to strengthen the most important part of your marriage resources. It is you, you, you and God. There's another reason we oriented the conference the way we did. Because in the grand scheme of things, truly, our marriage is not the most important thing in life. No earthly person has given me more than my wife. I have to argue with my mom and dad, but they give me my life. But certainly on a day-to-day life, on a day-to-day basis, no one has loved me more. No one has given to me more. No one has put up with me more. No one has brought more to me. Than Carol Knox Meyer. But Carol did not create my soul. My relationship with Carol will end here sometime in the next 50 years. My other marriage never will. Though Carol has laid down her life for me many, many times, Carol has not died for me. 
Carol has not created a kingdom waiting for me. And in all those things, Jesus says, I am your first love. I am your first marriage. I am your first connection. But you and I have to choose that. As Nathan called it last night, we have to turn our hearts that way. I can see my wife. I can look at I go, I'm looking at a pretty girl here. I'm drawn to that. I have never seen God. I have never heard God. That relationship is not necessarily natural and easy. Now, I hear the Spirit inside me, and I sense the Spirit inside me, and I know it's real. But it's, it's, it's a pursuit that you and I have to choose. And as we look at our world changing, our world is changing. We live in a world filled with fear because they cannot get hand sanitizer. <laughs> Honestly, it's astonishing how much fear on so many fronts is shaping our world. People fear the coronavirus, people fear climate change, people fear an economic collapse, people fear political change. And you know what? There's some of those things that may happen. There's some of those things that may actually roll into our world. History flows and changes. What do you and I have? We have a faith in an eternal God. And as the challenges of life roll into our world, you are going to be pressed. And you are going to be pressed to go in some direction. And brothers and sisters in Christ, we must be people that the pressure presses us toward God. Toward God. And yet how many dear believers today, maybe even here, say, I don't have time to pray. i got to find hand sanitizer. I don't have time. And, 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 but what should our response be? Anytime something that, that overwhelms us hits my heart and I'm afraid and I'm anxious or whatever, I should go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need to pray. I need to connect with God. i got to get my head in the God space here. This life is freaking me out. I have got to center. That's what pressure must do to us. Not push us away from God like we are so easily moved toward. Pressure must push us to God where in our heart we go, I have got to center. Or I'm just going to come unglued. God, center me, center me, center me, center me. Okay. Well, maybe I'll try Walgreens. <laughs> but I'm centered. So, I'm going to trust God for a miracle this morning. 
going to trust God that I can share with you three messages. Three short messages. <laughs> with time for interaction between and breaks. I asked God that it would happen. I'm already 10 minutes late. But the most important thing is not me. The most important thing is you and the Holy Spirit. And so I just want you to close your eyes and let's just take one more chance to recenter before we start. So just close your eyes and I want you to just remember that God is in this day. God has seen this day. He tells us that this is the day the Lord has made. I don't know what all the pieces of your life are today. There's lots of different pieces in this room. But I just want you to remember, this is the day the Lord has made. And the Lord sees today, and the Lord sees tomorrow, and the next day. And somewhere in God's office in heaven, there's a calendar. And on that calendar, there's a day with your name written on it. And that's the day you go home. And you leave this world. And God sees from today until that day when you depart. He sees all the days in between. And he has made this day for all the rest of them. Can you see God preparing this day with a purpose for all the days that remain until you hit that day and you go home. That's how we want to view today. This is part of God's plan. Okay. All right, let's, let's begin. So... Um, I'm going to lay a foundation for identity, and then other people are going to build on it after lunch. Um, and the first thing we're going to talk about is things that relate to God being our creator and who we are in that and what that means for us and the faith that that calls out of us. And with each one of these, the goal is going to be that, um, that you have something you can grab onto and, and bolt faith into your life. And so when we think about Ourselves, God has made so many things. He's made the whales and the trees and the mountains and the cherubim and the archangels. And, and, um, but in all of them, we know from the history of our creation that you're unique. You are a child of God. And in one sense, that's true of every single person on the planet. We are all children of God. And we're told that. Clearly in the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, he walks through a, 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 a genealogy. And he starts with Jesus. And he says, now Jesus himself was about 30 years old and began his ministry. And he was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. Who's the son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi. And then there's a bunch more verses in there. And then when I drop down to the end, it says, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Kenan, the son of Enoch, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. The son of God. 
And when we go back to Genesis 2 and we look at what that actually means there, Adam being the son of God and the special creation and the unique way that he brought us in and his breath of life into our, into our lungs, we understand that human life is incredibly unique. You are made as his representative in your shape. God can exist. You are more like God than the elephants, than the whales. You are more like God than the archangel Michael. You are more like God than all the angelic creatures that are around his throne right now. You are children of God in your created form. And if God ever appeared in one of his creations, there is only one he could appear as, and that would be your form. You are made in the image of God. And of course, 2,000 years ago, that happened. God came in this form. He can fit in this shape. Now, how many of you in here have children? How many of you, how many of you sometimes feel like you love your children more than they deserve? I love my children. I can't help it. And you know why I can't help it? Because God made it so. He said, I want you to understand something. When I look at your children, they're nice. When I look at my children, it's just different. And it's the same for you. Because God is telling you something. That thing you can't understand, that's what he feels when he looks at his children. And every human being is a child of God in that way. He loves every one of them with that same love. So much so that he will die for them. Okay. Now, if you're a dad with kids, you love Christmas. Because you love buying them things. I had an electric train when I was a kid way before I could even like plug it in. And the little race cars that ran on the tracks. And my dad got me all that stuff because he just, he just loved giving us fun things. And the, and the Cox airplane that flew around on the string. And, and, and you understand that's also the heart of God? That's also the heart of God? Only God's infinite. So he gets to do anything he wants. So God says, hey, let's do this. I'm going to make these creatures. They're going to be in our image, but I'm going to put them in a physical world, and I'm going to make them with certain desires. There'll be certain things they like. There'll be certain things. They'll love beauty, and, and, and there'll be this sense of, of curiosity and adventure, and, and there'll be, of course, this deep, deep desire for relationship and to be known and to be close, and let's build all that stuff in them. Okay, now. Let's make a world that is completely and totally full of every single thing we feel them to desire. 
Let's satisfy every single one of those desires. And that was the heart of God. And I've shared this picture in other places, uh, and I won't tell this story behind it, but this is in the ark in Kentucky, the life-size replica of the ark, Noah's ark. And for me, I had a really kind of a spiritual encounter in front of this picture. But um, I realized there really was a moment like this in history. There actually truly was something like this. There were two people standing there in this world that had been made for them. And it struck me that in this picture, the desire of every human heart is completely fulfilled. And I imagine myself standing there. And I just, I don't know how long I stood and stared at this picture. But just, it's a great big mural on the wall. And um, just staring at this picture going, there was really, God created this moment. God created this moment. And this is the heart of God. And, and if, and, and if I, I could be that person, I could be standing there. What would it be like to be that person standing there? And I'm looking out over this amazing world. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I just still have this incredible sense of adventure. I just get jazzed about nature and the outdoors. And I look at that waterfall and I go, honey, we have... Get up on that ridge. We've got to see where does this come from. And look at those, you know, look at those incredible sauropods. And, and I go, oh, honey, oh, look, look, look. It's, 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 I, I called it a butterfly. I have no idea why I named it a butterfly, but that's what I called it, a butterfly. <laughs> and then, of course, the part of the picture we can't take our eyes off of. You're standing beside this amazing person. It's either the most handsome man in the world or the most beautiful woman in the world, one or the other. You don't have to feel about any insecure about that because there was no competition. <laughs> Perfect relationship, no brokenness, no bad past. Literally, truly made for one another by a generous, deeply, deeply generous God. And I think what really touched me about this picture was, uh, God, for me, the word here was, John, this is my heart. This is my desire for every human being. This is what I wish I could do. Give you every single thing that I've created in your heart. And that sense that this is the heart of God really impacted me and has not left me. That that is God's heart. That's what he's like. That's what he wants. And that would be the point I would ask you to grab hold of if you can the reality of the incredible kindness, love, and generosity, the Father heart of our Creator. Of course, at the end of this time, at about 10, 15, 
we're going to talk about how God gets to do this. But things have changed. You probably don't feel like you live in that picture. Something happened. There was a disaster. And in our incredible naivete and vulnerability and folly and ultimately selfishness, Adam took that power cord that came from God and plugged into him and brought him life. And God and, and Adam ripped it out of God and plugged it the other end of it into himself and tried to find life in himself. And the whole creation died. And Adam lost life from God. And, and everything around them shattered and broke. And I think there's a good chance that it all fell into the physical that we now live in. That it did not, we did not used to be in this physical dimension where everything is run by the second law of thermodynamics and decay and death entered. And now it's just a reflection in a poor way of what it was. And so now, instead of living in where God gives us every desire of our heart, God is, is restricted to connecting with us through this death. And this is a picture of the Superdome in 2005 in New Orleans. And all these people had a home somewhere. And they all lost it. And now all they get is a cot space. And they get to argue with one another on whose cot is on whose side and whose stuff is under whose thing. And imagine all the squabbling that went on in there. That's our world. And that's what you and I get now. We live in a place very, very different than what our Father wants to give us. The scene has changed, but God's heart is the same. That is the secret to be understood here. If the first picture was truly the heart of God, we know the world has changed. It fell. It was entrusted to us. We were its stewards. We tore it from God and it all fell. Did that change the heart of God? And of course the right theological answer is no. But what's the answer in your heart? Do you go, oh, whatever might have been true in that crazy picture, that's not where God is for me now. You need to change that. The heart of God did not change. He is now, in one sense, forced to work in the results and outworking of our fall. God has been ruling out a plan from the very beginning to, again, in a very full, complete way, connect that heart. But here's what we have to grab here. God's heart toward you as his child is the 
same. And God is infinite, ultimately sovereign, and he can do anything he wants. Let's see where that takes us. We're told that he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. So God's heart toward me, I can say, God knew that the very, very best thing for me, regardless of how it sounds to you, was that I would be born in Greeley, Colorado, January 2nd, 1957, in America, this side of the planet, that was his loving, kind choice for me. And outwardly, it looks like it's a disaster, but I can go, no, the heart of God tells me that he's chosen the exact times and places, that, that his sovereignty for every created thing, it's the same heart, it's the same heart. This, he chose this for me, this is my spot. Not only that, he chose all the unchangeable things about me. All the things about my physical nature. All the things about my temperament. All the things that are wired into me. He chose them all. Now, if you're like me, you probably think, you know, there's a few things I'd change, and I hope when I get to heaven they're different. I'm trusting that it isn't going to be exactly this way. i got a few things I'd change about me. Physically and number of things. But in this fallen world... This is who I am. And I interpret it through the heart of God. God, this is where you want to meet me. This works for you. You said, John, I can walk with you right there. I can take the implications of the fall. I can take all the brokenness that's cascaded down through the generations. And it's going to roll into your life. And, and I'm going to let it roll in just like this. I'm going to allow that roll to fall for you just like this. But my heart says, I can walk with you right there. Every aspect of my life is an expression of God's heart. Now, you can look at the cots around you and go, this is a mess. I don't like my life. Or you can say, it is a fallen world. God's heart was expressed in the beginning. God's heart's going to be fully expressed in the Right now, I don't see it expressed in that same way. But it is still there. It is still true. I am his child. His heart loves me. And he has chosen the exact time and the exact place and the exact way I'm going to look and all that stuff. And he said, John, in the cascade of the fall, in my great love, I want to walk with you right there. No one gets out of the fall. We all have to live in it. But in this place, God says, I'm, John, right here. This is where I have a life for you. All the days that came for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Profound verse. So what does that mean? That means the day I was born, the day I'll die, every day in between, they're all ordained. You know what that means? That means the heart of God has said, nothing will roll into your life, John, but what I've signed off on. 
Maybe you're looking at your work situation. Go, my work situation is a disaster. My boss is horrible. I don't know if I'm going to survive this. Okay, true, true, true. Nothing negates any of the truth of that. That is part of the fall. But we can also bring into that God's, oh, but, but George, Paul, Peter, I saw that. I ordained that. I can walk with you there. Will you look and see my hand? I can be at peace with my present. Because of the heart of God. Any circumstance I can go, but God... I know your heart. You see this. You're with me. You signed off on this, apparently. You said you can meet me here. You can make this work. This can work. I can receive this from you. As crazy as it is. And brothers and sisters, there are people that this is all they get and they die. I just read this morning about a couple into prison in China together for trying to share the gospel and they are in a Chinese prison camp being re-educated. How's that for marriage experience? What do they have? They have the heart of God. They have the heart of God. He promises them when this is over, you and I will look at one another and you will go, you did this well, God. You did this well. You did this well. How about this one? I can be at peace with my past. Hey, how many of us in this room have made decisions that we wish we hadn't made or haven't made decisions we wish we did? How many people have things that they regret? How many people have things they're ashamed of? How many, think, how many people in this room have things they think mark them, shape them, re reorient their, who they are and their identity? Do you understand that an infinitely sovereign God could easily had that not happen or had that to happen? And that's part of it. frustrating, isn't it? We look at oh, God, you could have changed this. God, you could have changed this. You could have made this different. And you know what? You're exactly right. And he didn't, did he? So what do you do? The heart of God. The heart of God. God. You said that in your wisdom, you would allow the cascade of the fall to roll into my brokenness and you were going to allow me to express it in this way. You were going to let me do this. And I did it. And so many things changed. But you said, John, that's okay because I can meet you right there. I can walk with you right there. I can be with you right there. My brother was, as a teenager, he's a pastor now in... Rochester, Minnesota, he was an abortion decision when he was a teenager. It's really affected and shaped life. And I'm sure there must be times in the past, at least, where Charlie would look back and go, God, you could have changed this. You could have stopped this, which, of course, God could have. And in every one of our lives, I don't care whether you're talking about it, it's, it's, you know, I mean, I love telling people, hey, listen, don't worry, you're married to the right person. I don't care if it was her dad with a shotgun in your back. If you got married and God put you together, 
you are married to the right person because it says what God has joined together, let no one separate, which is his promise. This is my deal. I can make this work. And, and there's people that deeply, deeply struggle with that. And probably everybody struggles with it some morning or not. You wake up in the morning and go, what did I even do here? And I love telling people, listen, God could easily have had you get hit by a car on the way to the church. Or had you never meet that person. He could have reoriented this. My brother's engagement with an abortion. So easily, she didn't have to get pregnant. They didn't have to meet. He could have had a flat tire that day. It so easily could have been stopped. But the heart of God allowed it to roll into his life. And it changed his life for his entire life. And God said, Charlie... I can meet you there. And when you reach the end and we look at one another, not only will I, will I have gotten you through, but we both will say, God, you made it better because of that. The promise of Romans 8, 28, 8, 32. Can you receive that? Can you receive that? Can you imagine all the regret that's in this room? Can we be a people that look up at God and go, God, in your heart and in your sovereignty, I have life. For the hope of your heart and your sovereignty colliding in my life. It doesn't make the results of the fall go away. But it does enable me to believe there is life within them. And we can hope for our future. You know, a growing challenge in our world is suicide. Suicide rates are going up and up and up and up. And I don't know whether you have ever had those thoughts roll through your life. But I want to tell you this. When there is not good left for you in this life, you will be gone. You will have hit that day on his calendar. You don't have to wonder, is there anything left? Is there any reason I should be here? Is there anybody that needs me? God has told you we are his work created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do if you are not dead there's works left they're prepared and waiting for you and if you're not here they won't get done they won't get done they're yours prepared for you For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And I coined a word here. This life is successable. That means it's possible for it to be successful. Your life, your life is successable. 
you can make it successful. I don't know what it feels like right now, but I'm telling you what, God, the infinite Father's heart is for you, and your life is successful. It can work amazing, and you know what? All of God's glory hangs on that. God's glory hangs on the fact that he can take no matter what you throw at him. God is big enough to catch the ball and throw it back and knock you off your feet. He can make your life successful. Your life is successful. And every single day of your life, a whole new plan begins that is amazing and wonderful. And if you feel like, well, I messed up that plan, that's fine. There's another one that starts tomorrow. <laughs> now, it starts from there. It starts from there. God says, I'll just start it wherever you want it. You just put it wherever you want. I can start it from right there. Okay, it starts from here today. Okay, okay, we're starting this one. And every single one of them, when you get done, you'll go, that was amazing, God. That was amazing. And you will have failed all the way through. But you will have been a person of faith, <coughs> pursuing and striving and seeking. Because that's what it does require. It does require faith. It is successful, but success in one sense is not guaranteed. And God tells us this, so don't worry, saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? Where am I going to get my hand sanitizer? For the pagans run after all these things. Your Heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. He's saying, listen, track with me, track with me, trust me, track with me. Don't take it into your own hands. Don't think, hey, I, 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 I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not going to follow God because I've already got enough problems, and He wants me to do hard stuff, and I can't do any more hard stuff. I'm done for today. I just can't do any more hard things. Your father says, come, come, come. Trust me. You must take this step. You must take this step. You must take this step. Trust me. Follow me. My heart will not fail you. Will you be one of those people of all that I have made that at the end your life demonstrates that I was faithful, says the Lord. Will you let me prove that through you? We sang that song, He will not let us down. He will not let us down. So where I want to take you is here. The heart of God as your creator. What's his heart like? Do you believe the first picture? You know, I don't know, at this moment, I, I believe it. I believe the first picture. And I believe the last one. And I'm living in a mess. But the heart of God has not changed. And I will follow the heart of God. By the grace of God, I will believe that he sees me, he loves me, his desire is to bless me, he's chosen where I'm born, he's chosen my circumstances, he allowed all my failure because he can meet me there. And I can go, oh, okay, I haven't messed it up. This life is successful. This life is successful. With an infinite God, it can still work. 
with an infinite God that's for me, it can still work. And life and peace can flow back into me. Can you find that place? And does it move your heart to go, wow, as the crazier the world gets, the more fully I want to follow God. This world's going to get crazy. And man, I have got to get, I have got to grow. I have got to grow. I have got to grow in locking into God because it's going to get challenging. And this is what I want to be good at. I want to be good at locking into God. So these things aren't just words in a book. They touch my soul. If you're that kind of person, you'll be an amazing light in the world. And you'll have fewer ulcers. All right. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions here. Again, I want you to close your eyes. Let's play some, uh, I want you to get, this Aiden, this could be good. Can you believe that God's heart desires your good? Can you believe that? Where are you at with that question? This song is Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. Do you? Can you believe that God's heart desires your good? Number two, can you accept the circumstances of your life as the place God has chosen to walk with you? And I want you to think of something that's really hard. Maybe it's a regret from the past. Maybe it's a circumstance in the present. But just something that, you know, you go, if I was going to wrestle with accepting anything and being at peace with it and feeling like I'm okay with it, and if, if there was anything like it just terrifies me, even to bring it to mind, that terrifying thing, I want you to go get it. Just imagine it. Just, just see it there. There it is. There it is. Maybe you've never told another soul about it. There it is. Now I want you to imagine hands coming down from heaven and they, and they grab it. And they put it in a box. And they wrap it in paper, not in pretty paper, and there's no pretty bow. Just brown paper. And the hands grab the box. And with that thing in there, they hold it out to you. And clearly, there's an invitation to take it. And words appear on the top of the box, and the words say, this is for us. This is for us. And you look at the hands holding the box, and they've sort of smudged the box. And you get closer, you look at it, and you realize, blood, there's blood on this box. Can you reach out and take that box? Say, God, I, I can receive. You can walk with me in this. You can meet me in this. You saw this. You signed off on this. You allowed this. You could have changed this. You can change this. I receive this. 
will take this as something for us, a place you want to meet me. You're going to change me here. You're going to make me a different person here. But there's a successful life that begins with this. Thank you for your father heart. Thank you that you'll never leave me or forsake me. Thank you that you're with me in all the things that you've allowed to roll into my life, broken, disastrous world. All of it's accessible. All of it's wrapped with the same heart that started it and with the same heart that waits at the end. Can you take the box? Last question. Can you trust and follow God believing he has a good plan for your life? Can you go, God, you're my leader. You're my Lord. I'm going to track with you. I'm going to yield to you. I'm going to let go. I'm going to let you be boss. I'm going to trust you. Okay, you can open your eyes, and I'm going to give you a chance to say these things. First one here, God, I believe and accept that your heart desires my good. Think back to that picture, a heart that big. And I want you to say this out loud. You don't have to say it real loud if you don't want. You can say it in your breath. You don't have to say it if you, if you feel like you're not there. But I'm going to say it. I'm going to invite you to say it with me. And us to say this together, okay? To God. Ready? God. I believe and accept that your heart desires my good. <sighs> We're not done. Let me just read it to you. God, I accept the circumstances of my life as the place you've chosen to lovingly walk with me. that one let's do it together God I accept the circumstances as my life as the place you have chosen to lovingly walk with me the last one says this God I set my heart to trust you and to put my hope in your ways for the rest of my earthly life until I see you face to face. Ready? God, I set my heart to trust you and put my hope in your ways for the rest of my earthly life until I see you face to face. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to you, God, our Father. Lord, I love your heart, your heart, your heart, your heart. The heart expressed at the cross, the heart expressed in the creation, the heart expressed in a butterfly, the heart expressed in the sun of the mountains. Your heart. God, make the people in this room people that are always able to find the reality of your heart. In Jesus' name, amen.